Well, happy Mother's Day. If you're a mother, raise your hand. Let's give our mothers a round of applause. Happy, happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, I, uh, it's, a, it's a different world we live in when uh, I tell my mom Happy Mother's Day on Facebook. Uh, it just felt weird. But it was kind of my way of declaring to the world, other than not like this isn't, but uh, declaring to my 300 and some friends that I love my mama. And uh, I love my baby's mama. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, if you get your Bibles, would you go to one, Psalm 127? I was going to tell you the chapter and see if you can figure out what book of the Bible it was. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. You know, um, I've never been huge on preaching holiday type messages. um, And I even prayed through preaching a Mother's Day message. And... um, and you know, and, and through prayer and, and through just God's word, um, I felt that that's what God wanted. And, and largely, and, and, the, and the reason being is because Mother's Day, even though it is a national holiday, um, mothers, it's, it's not about a holiday, it's about a call by God to be a mother. Uh, and it's about a call for us to have a respect and honor for our mothers. And, um, and so I'm not preaching a Mother's Day message because the government says that it's Mother's Day. Uh, it's just a good opportunity for us to talk about motherhood in light of the gospel. Um, and I hope that, um, that we can leave today, mothers, I, I, not, not we, I'm not a mother, sorry. Hope that you mothers can leave today and us non-mothers uh, can leave today with a better understanding of motherhood in light of the gospel. Um, and you're saying, well, we're in this gospel series, and of course it's got to be in light of the gospel. And guys, here's the deal. Everything in our lives, whether it's motherhood, it's fatherhood, whether it's you know, you know, playing in a band or whatever it is, everything that we do should be done in light of the gospel everything. And so today I want to talk to mothers, and, but what I want to say is that husbands, um, don't you dare check out on me. Um, I'm going to be a little hard on the, on the mothers today. Um, and so men, don't be elbowing your wife, you know, like, hey, did you catch that? Uh, I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to be real hard on you, uh, ladies. Uh, I think God's word here is very, very clear and very, very hard enough for us to, to work with. And so, um, but men... Uh, husbands, your responsibility, hear me men, your resp- and, and single men, your responsibility is to lead your wife to be the mother that she should be, okay? So if, if your wife, men, hear me very, very clearly, if your wife uh, isn't up to par as a mother or any aspect in her life for that matter, you're responsible for her, okay? God came to Adam in the garden. Right. Um, so men, this is not an opportunity to check out. As a matter of fact, you better be taking more notes than her, okay? Because you you need to lead her. You need to help her with this. And it's not it's not a hey you're you're screwing up here. It's hey let me help encourage you down this road that um, that the Bible's calling you to go down. Um, single men, you need to find a lady who cares about these things. And uh, childless ladies. Um, whether you're going to have kids eventually or not, whether God blessed you with kids or not, uh, whether you want to have kids or not, kids are going to be a part of your life. And um, if you're going to be a part of a community of believers, there's a chance that kids are going to be a part of your life. And uh, we need to understand the role of, of a mother um, and the role of these kids in our, in our church family's life. So this is crucial. And yes, this is Matthew's plea to, hey, everybody, if you're not a mother... Uh, to really pay attention, um, but I hope it communicates 
well to you guys. So motherhood, you know, I, I was thinking about motherhood, just kind of reflecting. And, and motherhood is many things. I think motherhood is um, underappreciated. Uh, motherhood is underappreciated. Motherhood is difficult. Um, I think motherhood is misunderstood. Even within the church, motherhood is misunderstood. Um, motherhood has been redefined in many ways in our culture that we find ourselves in today as well. Um, so much so that, uh, you know, we, the idea of a mother staying home primarily to take care of the kids is really becoming a foreign concept and largely looked down upon. And uh, which, um, <laughs> that's just wrong. Just wrong. Now, obviously, my wife works, so I don't think there's anything wrong with a lady working. I'm going to go ahead and get this out there. I'll, I'll go ahead and offend some of you from the very beginning. But, like, biblically, your responsibility, ladies, is to take care of the house. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I believe you can, not I think, but I believe you can work to the extent to which you can still manage the house. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're a single mom, those kind of things, you know, you got to work, you got to work. I mean, those, that's, you're providing for your home. You're managing your home by working for uh, your family. And, and uh, you know, so this is not a, there's not a cut and dry line, I don't believe Scripture gives for us here. Um, but we have redefined motherhood. Um, and it disgusts me that, uh, that the idea of a lady staying home and looking and taking care of the house is looked down upon. Like it really is, and that just disgusts me. Um, because it's just anti-gospel, it's anti-Bible, the whole thing. So the motherhood has been redefined. And, you know, it's popular, popular motherhood says this, says, uh, uh, you can do it, mom. Like, mom, you've got to have the willpower to be a mother. You, the willpower to take care of the house. That's what popular motherhood says. And uh, that's what Oprah says, you know, moms, you can do it. And Dr. Phil, moms, you can do it. That's popular motherhood. Uh, popular motherhood today, oftentimes, not in every aspect, but uh, not in every relationship, but oftentimes, kids are looked at almost as a nuisance. Like, there's something that everyone has, but we can't wait till they're 18 and out of the house. And if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me joke about that. Uh, and you know, it's, what's crazy is that the more I fall in love with my son, uh, and I'm sure my future kids, that the more I wish that day further away. Um, and I don't wish that just that, so that Sarah and I can get back to normal life. Because that's what the world says. We've got to have our 1.2 kids, and then as soon as they're out of the house, we can get back to normal life. And uh, that's the world, or becoming largely the world's view of, um, of childhood, or child and motherhood. And then also popular motherhood also says that, you know, anything as a mother can be in the center other than God. Like, in the center needs to be, you know, your kids largely. Like, our popular culture teaches us today, mothers, that your kids become the center of your universe. Um, and that if you don't give in to their every beck and call that you are some and somehow look down upon as a mother. Like letting your child cry is looked down upon. Like I've been at the restaurants. I know everybody's like, oh, you know. Or like you give them a spanking and everybody's like, oh my gosh, child beater. You know, it's like. Because because this is our culture, guys. Our culture says that we treat them like royalty. We put them at the center. And guys, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, you will do the same thing with your kids if you haven't already. But that's popular motherhood. So here's what I want to do. In light of these things, I want to take a look at God's Word. And I think in, at least to me, it seems like a most unlikely place in Scripture to find something that is very, very, very applicable in a text is written for parents and very incredibly applicable to uh, motherhood. 
And that is in the book of Psalms. Now, you've got to understand this part, this part of the text, this part of the Bible, this part of the Psalms is actually considered the wisdom section of the book of Psalms. And so you've got like Proverbs, which is considered wisdom literature. Well, this is a section of the Psalms that is considered wisdom uh, literature as well, or wisdom part of the Psalms. And um, so let's go, I want to go to Psalm 127, and we're going to actually read all the way through Psalm 128. So we're going to go through two chapters of God's Word this morning. Uh, They happen to be pretty short. Verse 1 in 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a reward. The fruit of a, whenever I read that, I think of fruit of the loom, just so that you know. So if you know your pastor's mind is everything, fruit of the womb, I'm thinking fruit of the loom, so if it comes out. All right, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So children, let's read verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. And at at that right there, I think, man, I don't want to go up against Brian Gaskin. Because he's got a lot of arrows in his quiver. They're all girls, but except for one. But uh. <laughs> All right, sorry I had to do that. He should not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Verse, Psalm 128, verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon you, Israel. And with that, let's pray. Father, um, not my words, but your words this morning. As we approach this text, Father, let it sink heavy in our hearts. Let it take root and blossom beautiful trees and plants in our lives. And uh, Father, help it to encourage us, maybe rebuke us, and put us on the path to being the mothers that we're called to be and being the supporters of these mothers that we are called to be. And if we're a husband, to be the leader of that mother like we are called to be. Uh, Father, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is something that they would have uh, recited when they went to worship. This is, again, a wisdom part of the Psalms. And, and uh, these Psalms were used particularly to celebrate the gift of children. Now, we celebrate like the gift of children today, but like, uh, probably not like we should. And, and the world, at least, doesn't celebrate, in general, children like, like we should. So here's what I want to do. Here's what we're going to do. According to this text, I'm going to, I'm going to draw out three questions for mothers for you to answer today. First question is this. Do you think that you can do this? This task of being a mother, do you think that you can do this? Can you do the job of being a mother? So, obviously, this could be a discouraging place to start. How many mothers out there have ever had that moment when you said, I can't do this? I'm not a mother, but I'm going to raise my hand. Anybody? You've had that moment? You've had that moment? Um, Sarah raised her hand. There's, there's been moments where I know she has sat there and said, I just I don't know if I can do this. And uh, thank God, I think, at least from my perspective, she's only, it's been a very, 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 very rare thing. But there's been moments where that's happened. And, um, you know, 
what happens then, what, what do we do, husbands, or what do you think, our, if you're not a husband, what our response would be if our wife said, I don't know if we can do this. Our response would be, and mine has been, it's okay, babe, you know, you can, you can do it, it's, it's all right. You know, hang in there, it's all right, we'll get through this. You know, everything will be all right, and what we do is we try to build their soft self-confidence. And, and you know, um, that seems noble, that seems correct, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Let's go to God's Word and see what God's Word says. Psalm 127, 1 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, we're in the context of parents and children. So this applies to both men and ladies, so both fatherhood and motherhood. But today we're talking about mothers. And it says that unless the Lord builds the house, so unless the Lord does the task, your tasks are done in vain. It does not say unless the Lord helps or unless the Lord has a part. It says unless the Lord builds the house, the work is done in vain. Do you know what a biblical response to your wife should be in those moments where she says, I can't do this? You say, good. Because you can't. But the cross through you, Christ through you can. And you cling to the cross with all that you have. Does it make sense in light of what we talked about last week? It's not us carrying the cross. It's not a superior love for our kids. It's about a superior love for our Savior. I'm sorry, it is about us carrying the cross and being dead to our dreams, dead to our, our abilities and alive to the abilities of Christ in our lives. So mothers, listen. You can't do it. Now you're thinking, well, I, I, I can do it. I've got good kids and, 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 and I'm a good mother compared to my friends and, and that's the problem. You're not called to be a better mother than your friends. You're called to love and, and, and train up your kids like Christ would if he was their father. And to that, you cannot do. And that's moms and dads both. You cannot do that. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. I mean, these are two, two very big projects. Both are very important. You know, talking about building a house and, and you know, he's talking about watching over a city. These, these are important things. And, and he says that you can't do either of these. He says you might try, but you can't. And guys, unless the Lord is involved, all of your work is meaningless. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Unless the Lord is the one doing it, your work is meaningless. I don't know about you, I've done a lot of work in my life, even as a father, and I've done it without Christ. And it's all in vain. So what God is saying is that without God's involvement, every human endeavor is useless. And this obviously applies to motherhood. It's in vain. You feel the weight of that. So let's talk about motherhood. Obviously, motherhood, like we said, is a significant endeavor. Because no one else can influence children like a mother can. If you don't have kids yet, understand this. We, we, you, no one can influence that kid like a mother. And also as a father. As I, I just I look at my kid and the way he responds to mommy and daddy, like he loves his grandparents and he and obviously he, he gets held by the world, you know that is Renovation Church, and uh, but like mommy and daddy, that's he knows mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy have the greatest influence over him, and mothers, you have the greatest influence over your kids. Um, guys, listen to me, mothers. You are literally, literally molding the future of Christ followers, potential Christ followers, leaders. You're not just putting food in a child's mouth. 
you are molding everything that you do, every decision that you make, every parental decision, every rebuke, every letting them get away with what they should not get away with, all of that is affecting and is molding their future. It's not just in that moment, well, I don't feel like it. Because, see, 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 that's the problem. Today, this is, a, this is a side sermon, but, like, we just, we look at life in the moment, and we don't think about the effects it has for tomorrow. And, guys, the effects and what you're doing with your kids today will affect them as young adults. It will affect them as, as older adults. It will affect them as leaders, as followers, all the way. Man, it's going to affect them and their journey to or away from the cross. Most importantly. So mom and dad, particularly mothers today, uh, you are molding the future of your kids. I mean, the level of responsibility of being trusted with a human life, have you ever thought about that? Like I look at my son, and I mean, God's greatest creation is mankind. Greatest creation, mankind. We're the top. And God has entrusted to me the life of one of those creations that was made in his image. And has entrusted to my wife one of those creations that was made in his image. His greatest creation, the creator of the universe, his greatest creation has been entrusted to us. His name is Chad. And one of these days for you, for you uh, ladies who don't have kids, you will by God's grace. The second, the third thing here is it should be Christ raising those kids. So we talked last week about how as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to carry our cross. We die to our dreams. We die to our desires. We die to all these things. And and we're supposed to have a superior love for Christ. And then out of our love for Christ, then comes Christ's love through us to love other people, to love our kids. It's the same thing when it comes to parenting. Guys, if your relationship with God sucks, your parenting is going to suck. Yes, I just said the S word. All right? If your relation, guys, you can't give your kids everything and then give God the leftovers and expect God's blessing on your kids and expect them to turn out right because you know what? You're teaching them that they're more important than God. That's why last week is so important. It, it molds how we view everything. We view Christ gets all of our love, and then we love our kids. Mothers, you love your kids out of your love, out of this Christ love that you're reaching to give him everything that you have. And then from that relationship, you love your kids. That is the only way to do it. Superior love, we talked about last week. Uh, Exclusive loyalty. Guys, your loyalty is to the cross, not to your kids. Mothers, your loyalty is first to a cross and only to a cross. Now, the beauty of the story is that when we are loyal to Christ, it's when we will be the best parents that we can be. So it's not loyalty to that to the neglect of this. It's loyalty to that with the greatest effect on our kids, on our motherhood. Apart from his blessing, this is something else you can write down, apart from his blessing or God's blessing slash involvement, all our labors would be in vain. Do you know, listen to me, mothers, Do you realize how freeing this is? See, our culture says this is bondage. This is chains. This is no glory and no no power to us. But in, in reality, this is freeing because we just have to do what God has called us to do. And the success, the 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 results is all in God's hands. So I be the best father, be in, in, in a growing, changing, becoming a better father as Christ grows me and, and changes me. And as long as I'm doing that, then the results, man, everything is up to God. The result, I mean, just like sharing the gospel. 
knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that has to change someone's heart, that I can present the gospel to someone, and I am not the one that saves them. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. It's His responsibility. Same thing with our kids. Mothers, this is freeing because the results are not up to us. But you know, someone who is trying to, and I think this, I hope this will strike a chord with you ladies today. Someone who is trying to do it themselves instead of laboring and letting Christ do it in their lives. This is what happens. Going on in verse 127 to verse 2, the first part of it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil as if it all depended upon them. Your mothering will be anxious toil when you labor yourself and you don't let Christ do the labor. Um, Ladies, I don't bust your bubble, but if you think you're doing a good job, there's always more that you can be doing. Uh, if you think you're getting this uh, mom's thing all down, you know, there's always a safer stroller you could buy. You could always teach them more languages, uh, like French, Francais, yep. Uh, guys, our world thrives on this motherly guilt. Do you see that? I can always do more, and, and marketers go, moms feel this guilt that they should be doing more for, more with their kids. And, um, and you guys take the bait for that. Your responsibility, we'll talk about this a little more deeper in a few minutes, but our, your responsibility is to be faithful to Christ, not faithful to the guilt that this world puts on you in your parenting. You know, moms, there's always more sporting events we could be involved in. I mean, marketers eat that stuff up as well. Um, You know, your child does not have to play every sport out there. Who said they did? Because, you know, Jesus played every sport out there. So, you need to realize it's not about your work, it's about God's blessing. So the question is this, for you mothers, the question is where... Where do we start? I mean, some of you are going, okay, Matt, this is great. This is awesome. I, I, I believe the text is what God's word says. But where do we start from here? And I don't want to start with a to-do list, but the truth about God, who God is and what he has done. And again, we start talking about this theology thing and how, how God is in control and, and how it, sh- it should be Christ raising our kids. And, and uh Here's the key, ladies. This is not what we're talking about. This should not lead us to laziness. Uh, I keep saying us, you know, like, like I'm a lady, you know, but in, today I'll be a lady. Okay, so I'm going to keep saying us. So, ladies, um, this does not lead us or lead y'all to, uh, that's even better, y'all, uh, does not lead y'all to laziness. But to work hard, but don't work hard trusting in yourself. Trust in the goodness and the sovereignty of God. Work hard, but don't trust in yourself. Trust in the goodness and the sovereignty of God. You do what God's called you to do as a mother, and you trust in His goodness and His sovereignty. And you work hard while you're doing it. You give it your all. See, Paul understood this. In 1 Corinthians 5.10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Put that up next to carrying your cross and being dead to your desires, dead to your plans, dead to what you want. And you put that up next to Galatians 2.20 where he says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And then, and then Paul says, there's this grace that's worked in my life. And I've worked harder than any of them, but it's not I, but the grace of God that is within me. It's this Christ living through me that Paul's talking about. He's working hard, but he's trusting in the Christ that is working through him. 
That's been, I, I just, I love this stuff. I hope you're loving it too, because there's just all these things, how they fit together. And mothers, Paul worked hard knowing that it was the grace of God. You know, there's a Jewish proverb that said, God cannot be everywhere, so he created mothers. Has anybody heard that Jewish proverb? God cannot be everywhere, so he created mothers. Who's heard that? Come on. All right. All right. Well, now you all have heard that proverb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cute. Um, it's probably been printed on a million greeting cards. Uh, it's so wrong. It's so... It, it is... It is I, I would say... Um, I would say it's blasphemous. So God, you know, could not be everywhere and cannot do everything to complete perfection. So he had to entrust part of that to us humans, particularly mothers. But that fits right in with our culture. Let's lift up man and let's try to keep God up here, but what we do is we just try to keep lifted man right up there next to him, as close to him as we can get it. And so he says, I'm in control of everything. I'm sovereign. It's my plans. I will make sure it all happens. It's by my grace that you even do anything that's good. And we say, God, you know, you couldn't do all of it, so here's, you know, women or men, whatever. But in this, in this Jewish proverb, ladies... You take over where God cannot handle it. And that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I know that someone was just trying to be cute, um, but it's ridiculous. But that is our mindset. Our mindset. And the thing is, is, is Scripture tells us here in 127 that, that ladies, that even your, uh, your actions, even if they're good, if they're not what Christ, again, Christ is not the one doing them through your life, then they're in vain. They're worthless. They're useless. And so in this uh, in the scripture, you know, we we live in this anxiety, this anxious toil that verse two talks about, um, because uh, because God's not the one building the house. And so what we do is we worry: Are my actions good enough? Are my actions with my raising my kids are they good enough? Is this what's going to raise you know? Instead of go, submitting solely to Christ. And then in him raise your kids. Going on in verse one twenty or chapter one twenty seven, verse two B, it says this for he gives to his beloved sleep. So it's a it's an antithesis to what we was just talking about in the phrase before. So those who, who are laboring in vain, thinking that all the results are up to them, these people that are doing, these mothers that are doing that, will live in anxious toil. Will live in anxious toil, he says, but for he gives to his beloved sleep. Do you understand what the writer here is doing is saying that when, when it's Christ who builds the house, when it's Christ who watches over the house, that he gives to them rest. He gives to them sleep. And look at the imagery here. He's talking about this, this person who stays awake. This person who stays awake and loses sleep and it's all done in vain. And, but he says, look, but when Christ watches over the house, when you yield to him, he gives you rest. And there's nobody who gives rest like God gives rest. You know, I can say, hey, Sarah, let me watch Chap for the next hour while you go take a nap. And that fails miserably to compare to the kind of rest that God can give to your soul. Second question for you mothers. Do you see your kids accurately? Do you see them for what they really are? Some of you are going, they're evil. Evil. <laughs> yes, that is true. They are evil. Remember, they are sinners before God. Let's go on in that chapter, but that's not where we're going today. It's chapter 127, verse 3, and Psalm says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. They, guys, they are an inheritance, they're a gift. 
Going on in that verse, it says, The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills the quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Guys, children, and you can write this down on either, children are a good gift from God. Like, more than just, wow, that's a cute little dude you got there, and I like chap, you know, he's a handsome little man, looks just like his dad, and, you know, like, like he's a good little guy, like, he's all, like, it's more than that. He is a gift from God. Not quite equal to our salvation, but he is a gift from the Almighty. They are precious, they're invaluable, and, and I thank God that he's given me a child because these words mean so much more to me today than they did a year ago or six months ago. Source of strength. That's what God said. It says they are a source of strength. They are a sign of God's favor and blessing. I didn't write it. God's word says it. They are a sign of blessing. So I don't want to pick on the Gaskins, but God's been pretty good, Right? They are a sign of God's favor and blessing. How do you see your children? Do you see them as God sees them? Guys, are you aware of the wrong views that our culture feeds us about our kids? Let's talk about just two of them real quick. Number one, uh, children are a nuisance. We live in a world where children are disposable. I mean, abortion rates, I mean, and even even young kids that, that get abandoned and, and stuff. I mean, we live in a world that, that kids are disposable and, um, you know, the world is not welcoming of children. And, and um, have you ever, I, guys, I've been guilty of this, all right? But have you ever been in a place and you look and you see that family pulls up in the, in the big, you know, bus and out comes their like 15 kids, you know. Have you ever, have you ever done that? And like, and you kind of went, someone needs to talk to them about how this works. You know, like, you're going to keep on having them unless you take care of something. And like, have you ever, like, I'm guilty of that. It's because, it's because at that moment I did not have a biblical view of kids. And, uh, you know, this is very pertinent for Sarah and I as we're praying through childs two and three and four and ten, you know, whatever it's going to be. And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm going to kind of bear them kids, you know. <laughs> she did a good job on the first one. So uh, <laughs> it was nice and quick. It just came on the wrong day and time, but uh, uh, it just came about two weeks early. So uh, <laughs> maybe the next ones will come out. This is just as easy, you know. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we, that's how we view, man. When we walk out and you see, a fa- like, you see a family with four, five, six kids, and you're going, and, and people just, they, they look down at that. And it's because they don't have a biblical perspective on kids. Um, you know, for Sarah and I, and I think both of us have been guilty of this, we will think, well, you know, in 18 years, you know, we'll have our life back to normal. And, uh, and I'm telling you, dude, at 18, bam, you know. Uh, but, uh, like, guys, that's because our view of God, is it, our view of our children um, is not proper. Guys, they are a gift from God. Now, there is a balance of, of pushing them out and teaching them to live in the world. Uh, you know, and, 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 and teaching them how to fly as, as I look at the little robins and, uh, that are in my thing. And they're getting ready to be pushed out of the nest. Uh, but, um, like this idea of mom and dad can just get back to life as normal once the kids are gone. That's ridiculous. That is not God's word. This is the new normal. Is raising the kids and putting the kids in the quiver that God has given you. That is the new normal. Line number two is that the world revolves around your kids. That is a lie that a lot of us fall to, that the world revolves around our kids, that your world revolves around your kids. 
And it does not. The world revolves around God and God alone. And anything else that the world revolves around is an idol. For many of us, the risk, the greatest risk of idol worship in our lives, oftentimes is not ourselves, but it is our kids. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol. The world, that's a lie, and we're, some other lies that fall in that same thing is that we're obligated to expose them to every sport possible. Chapter and verse, where does it say that at? It, it doesn't. Why did your kid need to play three sports all year round? He doesn't. She doesn't. Um, we're obligated to give them choices from the very beginning. No, you're not. You need to teach them how to make choices. But when the world revolves around them and they're given every option in the book from the very beginning, then that means that they don't ever have to listen to an authority. They don't ever have to submit to someone telling them what to do. Now, there is a time, and every child is different, but you teach them how to make choices, how to, and then you begin, you, and when you do that, you begin to give them choices. But, but to begin with that is, is, uh, is, 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 is a lie. We're obligated to make them happy and satisfied. <laughs> happy and satisfied in what? Food and TV? Or happy and satisfied in the God who created them? Because when you teach them to be super satisfied in everything else, then they have no need for God. And then we wonder why they leave church and why they have no need for church and why God is the last thing that they run to when they need help. It's a lie. Your children are an inheritance given to be used for the kingdom. I love the picturing that's used in this text. Psalm, going back to 127, let's go to verse 4 now. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He should not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gates. Children are like arrows in the hands of of a warrior. Now understand, for us, number one, we don't even know what arrows look like. You know, it was that thing we did in gym class and none of us could hit the target. And, and like, when I think of arrows, I think of, I think of hunting. And I think of my awesome arrows and my terrible shot last summer. But, but when we're talking about arrows here, we're talking about arrows that were used that affected whether or not you went home to see your kids. Like your effectiveness with the arrows, the amount of arrows you had in your quiver could mean life or death for you. I don't think any of these warriors at this time went into battle with 1.2 arrows, right? They probably had a bunch, like lots, okay? I don't know how many they carry, but more than 1.2. And man, how good you did in battle determined whether or not you went home and Children are a gift of God. Hear me very, clear, very, very clearly. Children are a gift of God to be used for God's purposes. We are to aim, hear me mothers, we are to aim our children towards God's purposes. I heard a mother say one time, or it could have been a father, but heard them say, well, you know, I want my child to choose God for themselves. And yes, that sounds so noble. And eventually when the day comes that they need to decide, that's good. But for right now, as a child, our biblical responsibility is to point them towards God's purposes. Someone asked me, said, so are you going to brainwash your child? I said, absolutely. I'm going to brainwash them with Jesus. Because there is nothing greater that I could give my child than Jesus. <laughs> um, guys, let's not settle for good kids. Let's aim them towards the target that God has for them. Let's not settle for, well, you know, they're okay when they go with everybody else, they behave well, and then when they come home, they're a bunch of brats, you know. Let's not settle for good kids. Let's settle for aiming them towards the target and the purposes that God has for them in their lives. Um, dads and moms, I want to address both of you for just a moment. Uh, are you viewing your calling of God? Um, 
I wrote that completely wrong. Um, here's a question. Are you on your face before God about your parenting? I'm not like I should be. Here, you can't do it. Mom and dad, you can't do it. And I think we don't get on our face before God because we think we can. We can't. Are you aware of how high the stakes are? How vital it is for you to play the part you are as a father or mother? I mean, you're talking about, you're not just affecting whether or not they become a doctor or a homeless person. We're talking about whether you affect and have a direct connection to whether or not they see God for who he really is. You don't know how many people are messed up in their views about God because their father was an idiot. Because as you begin to view your children rightly, you will begin to realize your desperate need for God to guide you. You're supposed to aim them at God when you can't hit the target with your own life. So if you can't hit the target with your own life, how are you going to help your kids? Well, I want something better for them. Look, you got to be where you're leading people to. It's just a good leadership principle. You can't take someone where you haven't been yourself. Mom and dad, the greatest thing you can give to your kids is your life on target with God, and then you point them towards that same target. Third question is this. What do you fear as a mother? Let's go on to Psalm 128 now, verse 1. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Fearing God leads to blessing. Guys, we tie blessing. Scripture ties blessing to fearing God. And the thing is, when we think of fearing God, we think of a fear that pushes us away. We think of a fear that that drives us away from this person because we want to run away, and that's not what it says here. I'm going to read to you guys a rather long quote here. Um, by a guy named, named P.J. Buys, and uh, he's a theologian. I want to read this to you. He says this. He says, The true fear of God is a childlike fear. It is a combination of holy respect and glowing love. To fear God is to have a heart that is sensitive to both his goodness, I'm sorry, both his godness and his graciousness. So sensitive to both his godness and his graciousness. It means to experience great awe and a great joy simultaneously when one begins to understand who God really is and what he has done for us. Therefore, the true fear of God is not a fear that makes a person run away and flee from God. It is a fear that drives him to God. Love for God and fear from him are therefore not all incompatible, at all incompatible. To think they are is to fail to see the richness of the character of the God we worship. It is to ignore the way in which knowing him and all his attributes and responding appropriately to him stretches our emotional capacities to their limits. Scripture portrays the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord as companion emotions companion emotions and when we begin to view this that we stand before God in awe and have this love for God at the same time and we understand that fullness it stretches our emotions and so fearing God leads you closer not further away when you fear the Lord you don't run away from him you run to him in dependence dependence you run to him in worship you say that you your priorities and your purposes guide my life, and I'm building my life around you. It's a fear of God. It is God or Christ at the center of your life, not your kids, not your job, not your money, not your house. It's God and God alone. Question for mothers When it comes to your role as mother, do you fear the Lord? Are you building, listen ladies, are you building your life as a mother around God and his priority? Hmm? 
And husbands, this is a big deal. Are you helping your, li- helping your wife build her motherhood around God and his priority? When you think about your calling as a mother, who do you, who do you answer to? Who do you answer to? The answer to God. Um, you can't build your opinion or can't build your motherhood around the opinion of others. Now, I know there may be some, some quality things on Dr. Phil and Oprah that we can learn from. Um, but uh, I don't think I would stake building my motherhood around his or her opinion. Okay? Um, around God's word. Um, you can build it around your reputation. You can build it around your own comfort and ease. Let me give you an example of building your motherhood around your own comfort and ease is like not correcting them when they need to be corrected, but you're too comfortable sitting in the couch and don't feel like getting up. That is a very practical example of building your motherhood around your comfort and ease and not around what God has called you to do or be. You can build it around your kids' happiness and their approval of you. God calls us to move all of these things from the center and replace it with God himself. Guys, if we are dead men walking and carrying our Christ as Christ has called us to do, let me ask you, I'm going to hit this even harder. I've mentioned it two times already, but it's just such prevalent. And as, as our kids get older, and this is something for Sarah and I to work through, if we are dead men walking, what do you think Christ would abandon his faith for his, his commitment to the church for, his commitment to his other believers? What do you think he would, what things in his life would he abandon those for? Nothing. 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 And if we're supposed to be dead men walking, doing as Christ would do, Do we abandon our commitments to church for other things? I'll leave it there. Your work as a mother is not about providing or proving yourself, and it's not about you loving your kids. You are called to do what you do as a mother first and foremost, and ultimately for God himself. Your actions as a mother is to glorify God himself first and foremost and ultimately. That's your responsibility. And through that is where it begins to affect your kids. And your love, you love these children because God gave them to you. Because it is his gift. Um, And this life that he gave you is created in the image of God. We talked about that already. Guys, the best gift, hear me, the best gift that you can give to your kids is not sports, it's not a fun parent, it's not gifts. The greatest thing you can give to your kids, hear me mothers, this is, this is it, is God. It is God. It is God and God alone who gives a flying rip if they like you because you're their friend. If you're more concerned that they like you and not concerned 100% that they like God, then you are placing yourself as an idol in their life. And that is wrong. That is sinful. You teach your kids to amaze and adore God and God alone and submit to his authority and to his words. And you know what? Sometimes that's going to lead you to not be their best friend. It's going to be to be their parent. What a novel idea. Build your motherhood around God and his priority. Guys, mothers, your relationship with God comes way, 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 way before your relationship with your kids. And if you don't spend enough time with God, how in the world are you going to have the biblical, the biblical relationship with your kids? I mean, you're already starting on the wrong foot. You're already starting the task with the wrong weapons. When you do things for your child, for them to like you instead of for them to see God, you're teaching your kids to worship an idol. 
Um, we're going to end with this. Let me remind you, God calls, the God who calls you to fear and trust him is the one who has all wisdom. It's the one who has a plan, the one who is carrying out that plan to perfection. It's the one who gave us the gospel and gave us Jesus Christ. This same God is great and awesome, mothers. He is loving and merciful. Mothers, aren't you glad that you're not justified before a holy God by how good of a mother that you are? Remember, we're not justified before God by our performance. We're justified before God by our position. And that is our position in Christ. Mothers, you don't earn your, your justification by how good of a mother you are. And fathers, we don't either. Um, you can labor in the joy of knowing that you're justified by the blood of Christ. As our confidence, we work hard. Mothers, work hard to be the mother that God has called you to be. But you understand that he is sovereign over everything. He is sovereign over everything. As God wants you to replace your self-confidence with God confidence. He wants to see your kids as an inheritance and for you to point them towards God's purposes. And he wants you to build your motherhood around him. Practical things, man. Your, your involvement in church, your involvement in your prayer life, your involvement in, in studying God's word. Mother, those, those are some grand, 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 grand places to begin. So, um, mothers, I hope, I hope today you understand that with this message, like you should feel free. You should feel free that, that God is the one in control and that all you have, man, this is like singular focus. Instead of having to be focused on all these hundred other things, we have to be focused on pleasing Christ and loving him. And then out of that comes everything else. Like, you don't have to worry about priorities because he is the only priority. And then out of that, we love our kids. And it's the greatest thing for them. It's not just acceptable. It is the only thing that is acceptable. Let's, um, let's close. And I want to pray for us. And uh, the next part of the Psalms is actually basically like a prayer. And uh, so I want to pray some of these things over us as a church. And then we'll be dismissed. Father God, I just uh, I thank you that we have some awesome mothers around here. And Father, awesome mothers is not defined, is not, is not just displayed in the success, but it's displayed in their hearts and their desires to be the mothers that you've called them to be. So they may not yet be these perfect mother, but their desire is to be the mother that you've called them to be, and that is beautiful. Father, I thank you for a church filled of mothers that that, that is where their heart is. Father, you said in uh, Psalm 128 that your, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And Father, I pray that we would look at kids as an opportunity to fill our quiver with arrows and opportunities to point them towards the cross. Verse 4 says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children and your kingdom work. And Father, I pray that we as a family, we as a church, we get to see our children's children. And Father, we get to see these arrows hit the target that we've aimed them at. And, and Father, we understand that there does come a day in our children's lives that, that we can no longer control every move of that arrow. And, and Father, those, but under, help us to understand that we don't have control of that arrow even at this very moment. But Father, you control that arrow. And Father, you are sovereign. And so Father, I just pray that... Uh, that you would bless us, bless our families, bless our mothers, Father. Show them how valuable they are because of the Christ who has infinite value that lives inside of them. Father, help us to replace our confidence with God's confidence, with your confidence. 
And Father, thank you for the wonderful mothers that we have and for the mother that, that you gave me and, and you continue to let me experience having her as my mother to this day and then my grandmother. And, um, and Father, uh, just thank you so much. And I thank you for the mother that you've given to me for my child, for our child, for your child. And Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, at this time, um, we're going to do something real quick. Uh, we have a nice gift uh, for all the mothers. And so um, Kristen and April are going to pass these out for you real quick. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and dismiss. And if you're a mother, you're going to walk back there, and Kristen and April are going to have a flower for you, okay? Let's give our mothers a round of applause. Is that cool? All right. If you're a mother, make sure that you get a gift. You guys are dismissed. Have a great day.